Every empire needs a leader to encourage, energize, and elevate them. We are Eskimos Empire, and this is the Eskimos Coaches Show with our leader, Jason Moss. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering, Canada's largest public automotive and RV auction. Here's Morley Scott with Jason Moss on Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. Another low-scoring, tense affair for the Edmonton Eskimos. Friday night in the rain on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. The Eskimos building up a lead and then hanging on to edge the Toronto Argos 16-15. Duke Williams continues to be impressive. The Eskimos' defense, for the most part, does a pretty good job. And the Eskimos go into their bye week sitting with a record of 3-2. My name is Reed Wilkins, Eskimos Coaches Show here on 630 Chet. I'm sitting in for Morley Scott this week. He'll be back next Monday. Head coach Jason Moss is standing by, but first, here's how Morley and Dave Campbell called it Friday on 630 Chat. Motion starts, Riley will turn and he'll go play action, then pitch it out to the left side, and it's a big game down the sidelines. Touchdown, Eskimos! Into the game is Robinson, and he pulls the first pie out of the oven, and the Eskimos have the lead. So Jason Moss will keep the offense on the field here on third and six. From the 43-yard line of the Toronto Argonauts, motion starts to the right side. There's three receivers. Raleigh throws that way. It is complete first down. Duke Williams has it. Raleigh takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams just inside the end zone with the touchdown. Wilder gets it, and touchdown, Toronto. Wilder runs over a couple of Eskimos and into the end zone. Didn't need much there. Didn't add much to the totals, but he gets a touchdown on a three-yard run. Wilder's in the backfield with Franklin as he waits for the ball. There's the snap. Franklin throws to the back of the end zone. Got a man wide open. The two-point convert is good to S.J. Green. O'Neal's at his 50 to wait for the ball. Kicks it, and Martise Jackson will watch it bounce at the three and into the end zone. That's not what he O'Neal wanted. He wanted it to bounce right. Instead, it went straight, and and it'll be a single point to make it a four-point lead for the Eskimos. The Eskimos have finished this one. It was all the talk all week long. Get it done. And the Eskimos did indeed get it done tonight. 16-15. The final score, the Eskimos over the Toronto Argonauts here on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. The Eskimos, as they head to the bye week, increase their record to three wins and two losses. Well, Jason, congratulations on the win on Friday night over the Toronto Argos. I guess the question a lot of Eskimos fans are asking themselves uh, over the weekend and, and into Monday here are, have you dried off yet? So I'll ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty wet one out there. Uh, thankfully, yes, it, uh, we dried off quite well. Uh, had some good rain gear on the sidelines. So uh, players, I think, were a little bit worse off than the coaches, but... Uh, Absolutely, uh, getting a win feels a whole lot better being wet that way. Yeah, for sure. What do what do players do, if anything? I, I assume they do a little bit to, to practice with a wet ball or anything like that. It's it's got to be hard to recreate actual rain in a practice, I suppose. But what are some of the things they can do to to work with a wet ball and, and try to be as prepared as possible? Yeah, to be honest with you, I think what you do is you draw back on all the experiences as a kid, <laughs> as in college and high school. Anytime you've ever been in bad elements, particularly rain, you kind of just draw back on the experiences. And I, I encourage our guys in the off season and during our season, obviously, when we can practice in the rain, we do. 
just because of it, because I think it's just a mental thing more than anything of how to prepare for or how to get your mind over the fact that, hey, there is some differences, but the differences are so minute. You just got to get used to it um, mentally and physically. But, uh, you know, nothing nothing, uh, substitutes just practicing in it. And I said said after the game, our guys are going to be so much better for having played in this game in a crucial moment and having to make plays and their, their confidence will grow from making plays in weather games like that. So it's really just going out and doing, and and the other thing is having a great attitude about it, being excited to play in it instead of making it like, Oh, it's dreadful to be out here. It should be, man, it's exciting to play in a game like this. Yeah. Well, that's a good point for sure. Yeah. You know, you guys had a couple of of main storylines last week leading into Friday's game. So I want to ask you to follow up on those. The the first one, and I know you gave a great quote about it with Morley last Monday about, about the finish of games and games being there to to take in the fourth quarter. So I got to ask you about this fourth quarter against Toronto because uh, there, there were some, some tough times. They, they had the ball a lot more in the fourth, but right at the end, right at the very finish, obviously you guys got a great, uh, a great drive to to seal the game and not give them another chance so how would you assess the fourth quarter on friday yeah i mean again it was more uh kind of like it was the week before the offense wasn't on the field very much in the fourth the defense kind of didn't didn't do any i mean i didn't think our defense played poorly in the fourth quarter they made some plays um you know we just again just complimentary football in the fourth we didn't quite play it um, it, it's, it was not very good as far as the offense was put in a position. I think we were, on the, we were past the 55, I believe, one time. Didn't come out with any points. So we had a couple in, inopportune two-and-outs. Offensively, we had two two-and-outs in a row, I believe, in the fourth quarter at just inopportune times. One were in really good field position, couldn't do anything with it. But I th- tell you what, when I talked about the finish from the previous week, we got them off the field when we needed to. We had a big special teams play, and then our offense – you know, with two minutes to go in the game or two thirty or whatever it was, keeps the ball. And that's very difficult to do. Um, so, you know, particularly when you haven't had a lot of rhythm in one quarter to go out there and seal the deal when they are trying to stop you and get the ball back and protecting a one point lead. There was also a huge emphasis on discipline and trying to cut down on penalties last week. You wound up with nine penalties for 94 yards. Uh, I think there were a couple uh, 15-yarders in there. Duke, unfortunately, got the, whatever you call it, penalty, the, the celebration penalty yeah, for having the prop. But, uh, you know, I, again, i got to follow up on that, another area that the whole team wanted to address. So uh, how would you assess uh, the discipline on Friday? You know, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, we had one series or our defense. We went Duke's penalty, 15-yarder. On the Suey kickoff, we got a horse collar tackle, which, again, he's pulling away from Chris. Chris reaches out to grab cloth and grabs behind, lets it go immediately, but it's still a 15-yard penalty. And then we got a roughing the passer on the same drive. So that was 45 yards of penalties that aided their touchdown drive in the fourth. I, I think it was the fourth. Um, or maybe it was in third, whichever it was. Um, you know, that's a huge, that was a huge deal uh, for momentum. We, had, we just got it with a touchdown. They drove right back down and scored a touchdown. So other than that, I mean, we had three offensive penalties again, I believe. I, mean, I think it was three. Uh, you know, I would like it better, Reed, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I was pretty happy with the overall performance of our team and, and the discipline they did show. You know, a Duke's penalty, uh, I know they called it a prop, but it technically is a prop something that you already have on you for the game, the rag. I'll have to ask the league kind of their stance on it. 
um, because I don't quite understand it. Um, but, you know, I, I get pulling out Sharpies and pulling out different things. But when really your, your, uh, your towel is a part of what you have and his towel was inside, you know, I get they put it where he put it, but was that very harmful? Was that demeaning to anybody? I didn't think so. So I just want to understand more of why that was really called. All right. You know, you mentioned Duke Williams. What a huge game. Nine receptions for 123 yards. He had 17 passes thrown his way. And I, I saw a, a, a stat someone tweeted out after the game. He's actually on pace for a 2,000-yard season. Now, there's there's a lot of track between now and the end of the year, but that's pretty cool what he's been able to put together. And and I know there was a lot of talk for, from you and from Mike and from Duke himself in training camp and as we've rolled into the season here about him trying to round out his all, all round game he doesn't just want to be that jump ball guy can you can you just take us maybe some of the details or some of his practice habits that that have been paying off for him here throughout the first five games yeah i mean he's uh obviously learned a lot from last year i think anytime you're in the cfl for your first year there's a lot to learn uh he was lucky he got he played 12 games last year so he had a lot of experience and was very successful and again a lot of the balls that we threw him last year are different than what he's getting this year he worked a lot in the offseason on his all-around game, which is running intermediate routes, getting in and out of his breaks, uh, getting in better shape even. I mean, CFL game's just bet different. There's more running involved, you know, more passing involved. So, you know, he had to adapt his game a little bit, but he did a tremendous job of that from the moment we saw him in Vegas till today. I mean, you watch him practice and you watch the little things that he does. Um, you know, it's been tremendous growth. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, he's ha- he has a really good rapport with Mike. And, you know, when you have 17 targets in the game, you know, it wasn't, you know, we had targets for him, but probably not that many. And, and Mike seems to find a way to get him the ball and just knows his body language extremely well. And he's got a big body and he uses it really well right now. And uh, again, he's just rounding out his game and we're seeing the fruits of that. Jason, one of the things that, that I enjoyed about that game on Friday was uh, some, some interesting coaching decisions on third down. Obviously, they, they had a fake punt and a gamble early in the third, and, and you decided to go for it uh, in the third quarter as well. You had third and five from the 42. That was a completed pass to Duke and, and eventually led to his touchdown. Can you tell us what, what you weighed uh, in, in that decision that, that led to uh, the decision to go for it on third and five? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as much like I watched the game again last night and listened to Mark or Tress talk, Trustman talk about, you know, their defense was playing well. You know, let's let's go ahead and kick the field goal here late in the game because we're going to get the ball back. And I kind of felt the same way about our defense. They've been playing well. We're third and five. And, you know, I felt like we had some momentum going there and I didn't want it to end. And, you know, I, I felt really confident in the play call that I, that we had talked about going into the game if we did do this on third down what we would be looking at and who would be you know most likely the targeted guy against their guys and felt very comfortable about the matchup and just decided to do it knowing that hey if, if we put our defense out on, on the 42 i felt like our defense would hold them uh, and get the ball back and you know if not if we got that we'd have the momentum going and we'd probably go down and score and uh you know we we're right on the cusp of a long field goal as well so Really, we could either pin them and and get take the chances from there, or just say play it out. And I felt you know confident that our guys would execute the play. 
Yeah, that led to Duke's touchdown. Earlier in the game, he had a touchdown from Jordan Robinson. His uh, first touchdown showed a great burst of speed, and obviously he got you know a couple of important touches late late in the game as a running back uh, when C.J. Gilbert got her. Just a couple, but those are important when you're trying to wind out the clock. Uh, and obviously he touches the ball a lot as as, as a returner. Just, just take us through uh, his his game, and, and I assume even uh, being in on limited snaps, albeit in a tense situation, yeah, late in the game, some good opportunities for him to learn there. Because I know there was the one play he ran out of bounds, and you could hear on the live mic, uh, mics uh, Riley saying, like, hey, man, next time just stay in bounds. We need that clock moving. So a little opportunity to learn there too. Yeah, no question. I think he's a young back. And, uh, he was very successful in college, you know, so he's got a lot of touches under his belt, but the pro game's just different. CFL game's different, too. And so, um, obviously, at the end of the game, you know, obviously that's a Timex situation or a Rolex situation, as we call it, where you want to stay in bound regardless to run the clock. And he knew it as soon as he did it, so it's kind of hard to get mad at him. It doesn't matter how much you remind a guy. When they see that burst and they burst around the edge, they all think they're going to, you know, get first downs, and really, the really the thing we need to do is keep the block moving. So, but otherwise, you know, his his ability to play the ball that whole game in the rain, um, the touchdown early in the game was a huge play for us, momentum wise, and just a great physical play by him, staying in bounds, skirting the sidelines, catching the ball, and then at the end of the game, just running the clock out for us and getting a couple really huge ones. Great for his confidence because he hasn't had a lot of carries, um, so. You know, he's very talented. Um, we all know what we got in him. But when you have a back like CJ, it's hard to get him get him touches. Um, it's our jobs as coaches to kind of get be creative with him and, and try to get him in there for in personnel groupings. But And we try to do that every game. But, you know, I think as the season progresses, you'll see a little bit more of Jordan just because he has a different skill set than CJ has. Um, and they both uh, complement each other very well. Jason, obviously, uh, J.C. Sherritt didn't uh, play pretty much the second half. Uh, he got a little bit banged up there. Can you just tell us how that affected your defense and, and the guys who went in for him, how you thought they looked? Uh, you know, it, it's hard to always say that you, you, know, you can play up to your standards on defense when you miss a guy like uh, J.C. He was playing so well in that game. He was making some incredible tackles. I rewatched the game last night. You know, he was shooting in there and making plays. and But... We have faith in our backups. We won 11 games last year with Corey Jones, our starting linebacker, middle linebacker. So when Corey goes in, there's not one person on our sideline doesn't be doesn't believe we're going to still be successful, no matter how well JC's playing. So that's the depth we have. And then with when Kristoff went down, I thought Blair Smith went in and made an impact. I mean, some of the tackles he did were tremendous. He's our he's our special teams captain, so he's used to going down there and laying the wood on people. And um, I thought there was two or three hits in that game in the fourth quarter that he was tremendous with his uh, impact on the on, on the tackles. So I thought both of our backups went in and did the job and obviously, you know, kept the momentum on our side and, and kept our defense rolling. Because our defense played an outstanding game. I thought they were they were the bright star of the game and uh, played extremely well the game. Jason, I'm going to ask you about two guys who don't get a lot of attention. Uh, one's been on your team for a long time, but he does a lot of the, the grunt work, for lack of a better term. Uh, Calvin McCarty got a block on the Robinson touchdown. And, uh, you know, one run, one reception for five yards isn't glamorous, but I think he got drilled as soon as he caught the ball and, and hung on to it. So he continues to uh, – if Calvin McCarty makes a good play for you, it's, it's usually one he really had to earn, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, Calvin's, I mean, when you look up the word Eskimo in the dictionary, it would show Calvin's face. If you look, talk about a football player. I mean, he's been on our, he's played for 12 years with the organization. We all love him. He's a consummate pro. He does everything that we ask him to do. Again, he's had one penalty in the last two years. So, I mean, he does just about everything right for you. Um, You count on him every week. He's dependable. Um, he makes an impact on the game even when people don't see it. He plays special teams. He's one of our best special teams players. Uh, you know, he's he's just tremendous. And, uh, you know, any anytime he's on the field, he's impacting the game. We use our fullbacks as much as any team in the league. So he's always part of our game plan. And he's so versatile. He's the best hands on our team as well. So, you know, anytime we do throw it to him, which isn't a lot, he always seems to catch it, come down with it, make something happen. All right, and the other guy, and this is—I'm going to talk about this in a positive way because uh, Hugh O'Neill plays a position, Jason, where you know what it's like for kickers. A lot of times, people don't point them out unless they—they they have a bad game. And the, the the Toronto guy had a bit of a shank that helped you guys, but Hugh kept it pretty solid. Um, man, I, I thought he was aiming well for the sidelines. I know the winning single point—he just missed what would have been a coffin corner, uh, so it would have turned out for you guys anyway. He wound up with a 49-yard average in that game, Jason. Yeah, to do that in the rain, and I mean, it's one thing to punt it in the rain, but it's another thing to catch it and have to do all that. And we place ours every. We don't just kick the ball. Like I mean, people that don't know the game as well, you don't just punt the ball wherever, and it's it's okay. We angle our punts everywhere, so it. So he's trying to place balls all the time, and he does a tremendous job at that. And he, I think he just missed. We had one single that we didn't care. We were hoping for the single late in the calf and got it, and the other one. Yeah, I mean, he's a yard away from hitting a cop and corner, and that was too bad. But uh, 49-yard average was tremendous uh, in any game, but let alone a game like that. He's been one of the biggest bright spots on our team all year. And I think one game we even pointed out, if anyone was the, the MVP of our one, I think it may have been the Winnipeg game, it was Hugh. I mean, he played tremendous. Maybe it was the Hamilton game, I don't know. But he's been tremendous all year for us. Um, you know, he's an Edmonton guy. He's, he, since he's been back, he's done nothing but get better. He's very consistent. And, again, a guy that you can depend on. So I've uh, been very thrilled with the way he's been kicking it and hope it continues. All right. And, uh, you know, I know obviously the, the bye week, Jason, so hopefully, uh, you know, I know guys always get banged up, especially uh, uh, I guess you got your, your initial guys, CJ and JC. Hopefully they're fine and ready to come back after the bye, after getting dinged up. And I hope you enjoy the bye week yourself, Jason. Thanks for making time for us tonight. Hey, no problem. Thank you. We will enjoy it. We'll be back to work and look forward to the rest of the season. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Moss and Morley. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. We have the selection. You set the price on Eskimos Radio. 630 Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Is the Eskimos Coaches Show on 630 Chad. The Eskimos 3-2 on the season. 16-15 winners over the Toronto Argos on Friday night. My name is Reed Wilkins sitting in for Morley Scott. You just heard from Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. We talked about one of the stars for the Eskimos so far this season, receiver Duke Williams. He has four straight 100-yard games and what an incredible pace he is on. 31 receptions for 556 yards. He uh, leads the CFL in receiving 
by over 150 yards. Next up is Darrell Walker at 386. Williams is on pace for a 2,002-yard season. The all-time single-season record in the CFL, Alan Pitts, the Calgary Stampeder great, had 2,036 back in 1994. So a long way to go for Duke, but uh, certainly doing very, very well so far. Nine catches for 123 yards on Friday night, and he talked to Morley and Dave after the game. So let me ask you, uh, how much has your game rounded or become more, I guess, versatile compared to last year? I mean, you're doing, first off, you got so much more responsibility than last year. Um, just, I knew coming in that um, Zilstra was going to be gone, so I yeah. knew I was going to be able to step up. And all I did was in offseason was work on my routes, you know, every route tree. And, and, and I just had, I know I had to dominate because I knew I was going to be asked to do more, more than just, you know, the jump ball guy. I knew I was going to come in and have to um, run a lot of routes so that's what I did that, that's why I dropped the weight in the offseason as well and you know that helped me with getting in and out of my breaks how important was this win tonight Duke considering what you had going on this week with putting a lot of pressure on yourselves to respond to last week oh man it's hard to beat a team twice you know we came in we, we knew it was going to be a tough one and it, it, it definitely was well needed because we did not want to go on the bye week with a loss you know so we just had to come out and dominate and finish you know focus on our alignment assignment and execution you know, don't worry about too much and just handle our business and don't and just, you know, step up whenever the plays need to be made. Mike was just saying how he thought, uh, you know, the ball gets slippery in wet conditions, but he thought tonight it just seemed a little bit more slippery. He called, a, he called it a slick peg tonight. It was it seemed like it was hard to hold on for everybody tonight. Man, it felt like it felt like it was in my hands a couple of times and I, it felt like I had it, but it just kept slipping out. So I was like, it got to be the, it got to be the rain. I know I can't just be dropping the ball like this, and, but, you know, there's no excuses for that. You know, we get paid to play football in the rain, sleet, or snow. It don't matter. I'm supposed to. We supposed to come down with the ball, and but we had to make adjustments at halftime. So that's what we did, and we came out with the dub. After last week's uh, loss in Toronto, it just seemed like there, it was a look in the mirror kind of week. Let's uh, let's kind of nip things in the bud uh, in the bud with with discipline issues and details, and you know you have players only meetings. And how nice is it to to see what happened out here tonight? And you know by far it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but it never is anyway. What's it like to say, hey, what we talked about, we actually did, and we're a lot closer to where we were than compared to last week after uh, after that loss? Yeah, it definitely paid off because, you know, the players only means after practice, we was, the only, we was um, it just had the receivers and the um, quarterback in the, in the room, and we was just watching film of what was open or what we can do to, from the last game better this game. And everything that we watched on film was open this game. You know, if it wasn't raining, it, we would have completed a lot more passes. But, you know, we're thankful for, for just coming together as a team. You know, we found ourselves, we calmed down, and we just had to take a deep breath, you know, get everything back in order. And we're glad we got this girl to go on the bye week. You know, we can enjoy this bye week, but we know when we come back, it's even hard. It's we, we're going to have to work even harder. Do you get a chance to go home and see the family and friends? Uh, yes, I got to go home. Got to get some of that good cooked food. That is Eskimos receiver Duke Williams had the big third down conversion and also that touchdown catch to lead the way against the Argos on Friday. So the Eskimos on on a bye. We'll have the coaches show one week from tonight, 7.30 Monday. Morley Scott will be back with Eskimos head coach Jason Moss. Next Eskimos broadcast here on 6.30 Chad. Thursday, July 26th. They will be in Montreal. 4 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 5.30. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening.